Welcome listeners again to Inescapable Growth. I'm your podcaster host, Veronica. For today's interview, for episode number two, numero dos, I have a very special friend. Man of God, successful TV producer, 30 plus years with CBS New York, two-time Emmy Award winner, super talented film and streaming media professional, my mentor, my friend, Charles Williams. Hey, Veronica. I'm glad you have me on. I'm glad to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So how are you? I'm doing well. It's cold in New York City. I'm at the church getting ready for a night of prayer. We have a special night of prayer service. So I'm at the church getting ready for that. But I wanted to take some time to come and chat with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Doing the good work of the Lord. I'm, I'm I'm so proud of you. Thank you. So now, 35 years or over 35 years in the industry, when did you start? When you were two years old? Oh my God, I've been doing <laughs> this on, for so on. long. <laughs> you don't have to answer that, okay? We're here to talk about, you know. I started in this business in radio <laughs> in 1983. I think I was 19 years old, maybe 20. And um, I started in radio as a disc jockey, a uh, person who spent records that we don't even have anymore. Then I moved over to television and I just kind of grew my career from that, exposing myself to everything there was in the industry to do. And God has blessed me to to excel at those things. And I'm really thankful. But one of the things I do remember my mentor telling me as she was training me uh, mm-hmm. on the college camp, she said, you'll never be able to pay me back, but you can always play it forward. And you sure and have. Done. You sure have. You put me in front of the you know with with little to no experience um put me in front of the cameras i mean it took me to several you know big venues interviews one in particular that came up recently in my memories was the behind the scenes um you know uh job you were doing production for tyrese genuine and tank where they had the group tgt oh, i remember that yeah I do remember yes. in, in new jersey Yes, in New Jersey, right? Um, we also did Gospel Fest, but I mean, yeah. So you have been painting forward, and I have to, I have to, I have to thank you for that. Um, you know how I feel about you. I, I greatly appreciate all that you've done, and um, yeah, you've just been amazing. So you sure have done what you, what your mentor told you to do. Well, I try every day. Because <laughs> so I know about the ten percent rule is that if I get a a, a blessing. I take 10% of that blessing and I try and pass it on to someone else and share it. I mean, I, I, I know that I know all that, you know, or a lot of what you've done. So I think that we can say that it's been more than, than 10%. And um, I mean, that's great. And that's why you've been very successful and a very blessed man. I, I could see why. But we're not here to talk about, you know, like exact age. We want to talk about, you know, your your testimony and your story, what it took you to become you know, successful, as successful as you are today, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. So that brings me to my next question. My next question. Tell me about your upbringing, your immediate nucleus, your family glow- growing up in New Jersey, right? No, no, I'm not from New Jersey. I'm not even from the East Coast. I am from Texas. All right, and I'm gonna cut this out. I thought I knew you better. I've <laughs> <laughs> been in New Jersey for such a long, long time like 34 years. I, my whole adult life has been spent on the East Coast. I think I came here when I was 24 years old 
working well, for, for one of the networks. We're still getting to know each other. We met, and I and in the pictures that I have, we met at the uh, Steve Harvey Foundation Gala at the uh, Cipriani Ballroom on Wall Street. It was like April 10th, 2011. But look, we're still getting to know each other, and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> look, like five uh, as you as you deal with people over the years, you learn things about them. You know, it's not like cracking an egg where everything comes out at one time. Sometimes it's just a slow baking process. As you learn people, people become more comfortable. And you say, oh, I thought, I thought you do that. But sometimes you just don't know everything about everybody. But, you know, but my career started because I had a desire to do something different. I am from a family of... Uh, uh, nine brothers and sisters. There's ten of us mm-hmm. growing up with my mother and my father. They raised us in Texas to be successful, to be great, and also to be givers. And that's what what, what was the backbone of my family. All of us are still decently close. I mean, yes. you know, as you grow up, and everybody's over fifty now, so, you know, so you have your <laughs> odds and your ends, and you have your you close <laughs> and that kind of thing. So you know, so we we've all lived and we've all done things and and tried to progress and we're all very supportive of each other even if we're not talking to each other at the moment if something happens to one of us we all rally together and do what we need to do and that's important yes to be a tight-knit family now take me to when you figured out that tv radio film was what you wanted to do when was that were you a child an adult like when was that moment like the light you know i was just i was just having a reunion with some high school friends for a friend's birthday party, online birthday party. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this. And I was just telling them that when I graduated from high school, I really didn't even have a desire or go to college or didn't, nobody talked about me going to college. I have literally overheard the two of them talking about going to college. And I said, well, maybe I'll go too. And literally <laughs> wow. probably two or three weeks before school was to start, I registered really quickly. They had something called open enrollment Mm -hmm. at the Historical Black College, Prairie View A&M University. Yes. I enrolled and they accepted me. Then I got there and almost flunked out because I was trying to do everything. I was trying to do this. I was trying to be here. And when I got my first report card, it said point ninety eight. Oh my goodness, Charles! You were busy. You were living that that college life, huh? They let you out. (laughs) I tell you. But after that, I made the honor roll every year after that because I learned how to balance my time and do the work. Because of what happens with a lot of people in careers, they think this happens with magic and smoke and mirrors and all of that. But at the end of the day, you got to put it in the work. So I spent my time in the lab learning production, learning how to do stuff on camera, learning how to speak better and Mm -hmm. do the things I need to do. And, you know, I was a reporter, I was a news director. I was an executive producer on different projects. I found myself more behind the scenes than in front of the camera, because I had a talk show for a couple of years, a radio talk show, but I really didn't enjoy that as much as I did about bringing people together and creating a project from scratch. So I got into creating projects from scratch and working for different networks to do different things. And I thought myself, I enjoyed that more. So my career lasted about <clears throat> nearly 40 years. Wow. Doing, doing what I've been doing because a lot of young people ask me how do you keep doing the same thing for such a long period of time I say, first <laughs> really? of all it's not a job to me we're doing a lot of stuff there at the university that's amazing how did you find the time to do all that so how did, how did you balance 
Well, it's a, it, I found a way to balance my time between performing radio and being part of the student government. So I just gave a little bit of time to all of those entities that I wanted to do. And then eventually I started to kind of fine tune my, my journalism career and I got interested in journalism and telling stories and covering news and doing the various things that I needed to do. So I found a love for it and it was a passion of mine. So I never looked back. I mean, literally when I was 24 years old, I got recruited to CBS in New York and I stayed there until for 30, almost 34 years. And then I took the retirement package, sit at home and just kind of do what I wanted to do. Then another right. network recruited me and said, <laughs> we need you to come and help us build this brand new network. So that's what I'm, what I'm in the process of doing now. So we'll go back to that new network, but you graduate from Prairie View, then what? Do you automatically get the position at CBS New York? And how did, how did that happen? Oh, no, 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 not at all. My mentor, who was, who was the, uh, one of the local anchors in, in town, mm -hmm. uh, there was a young lady who was doing something called the teleprompter. That's where they put the words underneath the camera where the anchors yeah. can look into the camera and see, see the words and read the words to the public. So that young lady was quitting. So she called me at the college and said, look, I have a weekend entry level position for a teleprompter operator. The young lady's leaving, but that means you got to be here every Saturday and every Sunday night to do the teleprompter. I said, no problem, I'm there. So I would drive from the college, which was about 45, 50 minutes away on a Saturday morning. I would work all day Saturday, all day Sunday, drive back to the college. And one thing led to another, she told me, oh, now that you got that under your belt, now let's teach you how to put pictures together. So there was a young lady in the station who showed me how to edit, how to edit news stories. I tell you, the first time that I put just a voiceover together, that means sticking about maybe 10 or 12 shots together that would play back on there. It took me about an hour and a half to do that, which under normal circumstances with experience, that should have taken all of 10 minutes. But it took wow. me about an hour, maybe two hours. But I find I stay, I would stay after work and I would practice and practice and practice and get better and better and better at what I did until I was one of the best storytellers in the business. I knew how to evoke emotions from stories. I knew how to develop a beginning, middle and an end. But that takes time. It takes time of doing it consistently. Even when nobody else is looking, you got to just do the work. There's nothing that you can get around without doing the work. Time and then the position. Perfect. CBS New York. Okay. Yeah, well, what happened, I was at Channel 13. This is a station in Texas. Mm -hmm. I'm working for them. And I was working at another station across town because I was making no money at either one of them. So I was moonlighting at one and working for the other. Then they said, oh, you got to make a decision. So I left one station and stayed full time at one station. And then I got a job at a third station full time. So I left those two stations, went there. Worked there for about two and a half years. They liked my work. Somebody somebody saw my work in New York. They called me up and said, look, we're interested in you taking a position at the network, in, at one of the networks in New York. And um, and that's how I got to CBS. And I wow. stayed there and I developed and I grew and grew and grew until it was time for me to move on to do something else. So now, two-time Emmy. That's huge. Now tell me, well, my listeners, you know, I want them to know, who, what, when, where, and how. That's huge. Uh, I think the first Emmy that I won, it was for a story called Defining Moments, where a producer and I got together and we created this whole seven-part series where we talked about 
significant things that changed society. How we went from the color black and white TV to the color television. How we went from 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 Broadway people Broadway being an all white industry to it、yes. started to be more and more people of color allowed into the industry. Right. We went from having you know washing dishes in, on our hands to getting the first dishwasher. All of those things that really really changed society. People don't remember before before we had an ATM machine. We literally had to go to bank and get ten dollars out or twenty dollars out. If we、right. knew that that machine would revolution revolutionize the banking industry, so we did those kind of stories and people loved it. They thought it was a significant contribution, and we got nominated and we won that Emmy. That was Emmy number one. And then number two, Hurricane Alicia, this big storm came to New York and New Jersey, and I was part of the crew that covered that event. And the way that we covered it, and the stories that we put together,、uh, the Emmy Association thought it was the best in the business, and that's、wow. how I got Emmy number two. And then I got another nomination for, <clears throat> excuse me, an adoption story that one of the anchors at the station decided to go to China and adopt a little girl. So we followed the whole process, and、um, and we documented everything from the beginning to the end. And that was a nomination. We didn't win that, and we got best, we got honorable mention for the third Emmy. But、uh, but it was a well done story. Now that young lady is in college now. Wow! No, still a great story. That's amazing. Wow! Now the Urban Beat. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the Urban Beat is a new venture that I'm doing. It should be rolling out full time. It's in a beta format right now. We're just、mm-hmm. testing the waters with it. But come this summer, it should be full time. It's a place where people can put information. Say you find out something about, oh, guess what? They just nominated the first black or African American woman for the Supreme Court. You want to make a comment? You send that comment to the Urban Beat, and you put it on there. Then everybody else can get your thoughts, and people can feed off of your thoughts. They may add their thoughts. So it's a place to put short informational stuff on. Where you don't have to write long paragraphs, or you can put photographs on there, or you can put voiceover stuff on there—just a place where people can talk to each other. Well, I know that's great. So you're just doing your thing and just expanding. Now, tell me about the industry, how it's changed, and where it's headed. What do you think about it? Like your project, but you know, what is your? Oh my God, the industry has changed so much. I started off when they had、um, video tape. <laughs> And that was back in 1983, 84, and you had these big clunky machines that you have to you had to edit on. It was probably about the si- half the size of a, be- a small bedroom, and it was、wow. three, three machines kind of tethered together, and that's how you edited stories. You telling、uh, on yourself, Charles? You telling? I know. I can't. I don't remember that. I was born in 84. <laughs> oh yeah, you have no you have no sense of that. Then by the time you came along, we were already into beta, beta, and. And and many eight tapes and stuff like that. By the time you became of age, now we don't even use tape anymore. Everything is digitally recorded, and it's just some X's and O's that we send around to each other. We don't even touch anything. It's just the pointers that you use with whether it's Premiere Pro, Final Cut, or Avid. That's how you edit. Everything is digital. Yeah, I mean, look at that. Fifteen, twenty years ago, we would be able to do interviews with our cell phones of quality. <laughs> Video interviews with our cell phones, playback video, watch movies on our cell phones just by Crazy, walking around.、Right? Who knew? So the, know, all of this、you're、stuff has changed the industry. You're in New York and I'm in Florida. Mm-hmm. Look、That's、how we crazy, can get、right? amazing, right? Yeah, right. I know. But all、I、of know. this technology is giving 
the next generation an opportunity to get into an industry that at one time was difficult to get into because if you didn't know how to work the big cameras, if you didn't know how to edit, if you wasn't a great writer, if a great reporter, it's hard for you to get in. But now, believe it or not, everybody can pull out their cell phones and become a reporter as long as they can write well, tell a story. Because you don't want to be sloppy. That's one thing you don't want. Right. You don't want to be sloppy on there because anybody can get on the air. Right. Stream or broadcast anything. For sure. But are you good? Are you doing something that people want to hear? Because right. I always say, if you have nothing to say, be quiet. Yeah, something, you know, with substance. I mean, meaningful that, you know, you really, like you said, really want to tell a story. I mean, look at that. You know, look at me. I got my own show. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Each one, teach one. That's right. And I've learned, I've learned a lot from you. So all that that you learned from your mentor and at the university and, all, you know, all these things you were saying, because I remember you teaching us, you know, me, Jackie and the crew when we were in New York and New Jersey. That was funny. You've always been a teacher. You are such a teacher, but that's good. That's well, that's what my mother said. You're always giving. Yes. So, but I think that's were... my love language. I think my love language is giving. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's the only one you, that's that's high, or you have a high percentage mm-hmm. of giving. You do. You've always been very giving, and I've been a witness to that. Now, okay, so Emmy Awards for you said defining you series. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Brown Babies. Oh, Brown Babies. Oh, I forgot about Brown Babies. Yeah, that was my one of my pride and joy projects. That literally somebody came to me and said, "I know who can help you save this project." They came to me, they told me what the project was. I jumped right in and started to help restructure the project. It took us about 18 months to edit it, deliver it. And it, it's probably won maybe about 20 or 30 awards. But it's just a story about GI soldiers and German women who who were who got together, had children. And because at the time the United States was uh, in the middle of the Jim Crow laws, racism laws, and Germany didn't want the babies, and the babies got caught in the middle. So Germany okay. didn't want the babies, the United States didn't want the babies. So they were called brown babies, and a lot of them were shipped to the States, and they were put into kind of a farm situation where they had to live and they suffered. And a lot of them are 60, 70, nearly 80 years old, still going through some of the trauma that they um, that they that they had to go through at that time. So we documented their life stories and everything. And, um, and that's how we won that project. Wow, you took that to Miami, right? I took it to Miami, Mississippi, Texas, California. Yeah, it played all over. Okay, so and all that of that- And that led us winning best documentary for at the, um, um, you know, um, at the uh, American Black Film Festival. Right, right, wow. No, that's, that was great. So all of that, WEG Media Group, what are you doing now? What I'm doing now, besides I'm developing the next generation yes. of filmmakers, television content creators, and also I'm working on several podcasts. I have about seven podcasts that I'm managing right now. I'm working with a lot of churches, helping them get their media ministries together. And also I'm working on a documentary called Journey to Manhood, Who's Raising Our Boys to Become Men, that I spent six years traveling around the country, sitting down with men and boys about the subject matter. And now that project is finally ready to come out later this summer. Well, that's great, because I think there's no better time than, than now or this summer for that project to, to come out. I mean, we needed that before and we really need it now. So um, we'll be looking forward to that. So now in closing, overall, what has been that continuous force 
that has, you know, taken you through your life where clearly growth has been inescapable? What, what has that been for you? Wanting to make a difference, not only in my life, but the lives of others. Because I believe if you want to go fast, I think the expression is you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. You find like-minded people to work with. Yes. And you do it together because everybody has a role to play. You're only as strong as your weakest link in the chain of the people that's in your circle. Very true. Very true. That's great. And I've learned yeah, a lot of that from you. Well, Charles, I don't take much more of your time. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Look forward to speaking to you again. To my listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Be blessed.